This presentation is from UX Australia 2016, held in Melbourne. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Rounding out um, this little session, uh, which I, I really was looking forward to, this sort of um, this this set of two talks, um, which focus a little more on. Um, Design for Good, Social Innovation, Social Enterprise, and I'll let these guys talk about that side of it in a little bit more detail. Um, but that notion of um, trying to do something a little more concrete and, and good in the world, please join me to hear more about that in welcoming Wesley and Yuan to the stage. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, I was going to do a bit of like this stuff, power posing, but like three other people have done it, and it's a bit, it's great. And I'm sure every time it happens, Amy Cuddy like shivers a bit when someone hits a power pose on stage. But thank you very much for your time. Uh, my name's Wes. I'm from Thank You. Uh, we are a social enterprise based here in Melbourne. Um, we exist 100% to help end global poverty. We do that um, through products that we develop, design, put to market, and 100% of our profits go towards um, funding kind of projects around the world, and here in Melbourne, in fact, as well. Um, we have a simple mission. Um, we believe that we can help end global poverty in this lifetime, but only if we do it together. Uh, simple as that. We have a number of product ranges. I'll just blast through them really quickly. Um, we have a water range, which some of you may have seen that fund access to safe water uh, for people in need, um, a food range that's ever-growing that, uh, that funds access to food aid, that's emergency short-term food aid, as well as food security programs, which is more long-term development, uh, as well as a body care range which funds access to hygiene and sanitation training. Uh, I could give you the stats and all of this stuff, but it's pretty bleak, pretty stark, and I'd be here for a little bit longer. Um, and we've actually just recently uh, launched a baby care range which funds access to maternal and child health, which is a really important need in our world. Um, and to date, we've been around for just over eight years. Um, we had our eighth birthday earlier this week. Um, we've given just under $4.7 million towards our project. So that's 100% profits. Thank you. Thank you. Um, important, important to understand that this is not us. This is Australia and people joining with us. Um, this is our, our customers and our supporters. These are the stats around what we've done. 212,000 people with access to safe water, 330,000 people with access to hygiene and sanitation, and 27.5 million days of food aid funded. Um, I think in numbers in the food part, it's about 120,000 people. Um, I'm looking at Cindy. Cindy's from our impact team, and she's like, yeah, I think that's okay. Um, but it's important to understand for us that these aren't just numbers, that they're, um, they're people. Um, very important people to us. I was really privileged to be able to travel to Cambodia last year uh, in May to visit some of our programs. We, in fact, visited um, a part of far west Cambodia, really rural, close to the border of Thailand, um, a set of CM Reap. And I met this gentleman. His name is Kem Vun. Um, he is a farmer by trade. He's been part of an ADP, or what we call an area development program, funded through our food, pro uh, food products. Um, so this is one of our sustainable development initiatives um, through World Vision Australia. A bit of history on Kem, um, his story. He was in the Cambodian Civil War. He was a fighter. Um, before that, he was a farmer, but he went into uh, the war 
didn't come out unscathed, unfortunately. If you notice his uh, left leg, it's actually a rubber prosthetic. Um, unfortunately, he stepped on a landmine, um, blew his leg off, blew off a bunch of toes on his right foot as well. And he returned to his family of eight, so his wife and seven children, um, with basically that the ability to provide um, work and a livelihood. His compensation for fighting the war was just the rubber leg. That was it. So he came back to his family, tried to farm again, found it really hard, obviously, because of his new disability. Um, but the disability went beyond just him and his family. He couldn't get employed because, um, first of all, showing that meant that he was potentially a freedom fighter. They don't know what part of the Cambodian War he played a part in, so there was a lack of trust. But also, people looked at him as a disabled person, not as a human being trying to provide for his family. Um, the program that we funded, uh, were, he got access to um, low-interest loans, um, equipment to grow his farming practice, um, techniques and skills for learning about farming, connection to international markets. So he actually farms these things called longanberries. Anyone had a longanberry before? They're mind-blowing. They're like a lychee. Um, just as good, unbelievably sweet. So they farm them by the thousands. And when I was there, I ate my body weight in longanberry. Um, so yeah, it, he now has a farm that is able to produce, I think, upwards of 5,000 USD a year, which in Cambodia is a huge amount of money, and more than enough for his family to be able to uh, go to school for his children, get access to healthcare. Um, they're not spending the money on medical expenses because they can, they're, they're well nourished. They have access to a safe water supply now because of this program. So it's really, really cool. The reason I mention this is only because me being a staff member, thank you, I have the, the, I'd say the honor of actually being able to go over and visit these people um, and meet them and learn about their stories. Um, so for me as a staff member, someone that's part of the organization, it's hugely uh, formative in me really adhering to like, our mission to help end global poverty. But therein lies a massive challenge for us. See, we really want to partner with Australians. We rely on the Australian public to back us and to buy these products and make a choice when you're buying one of these products, because that is what funds global change through us. So how do we connect our, our users, our customers, our supporters, with this experience? It's logistically impossible to fly everyone over, the thousands of people that buy Thank You products, and it's probably financially extremely unviable because we're a social enterprise. Um, so we thought about this, and we're like, how do we connect it? And we're in the age of the smartphone and the internet. So in 2012, in-house, we designed and developed this app called Track Your Impact. Uh, show of hands, anyone ever used it in this room? All right, cool. Like 10 people, awesome. Um, <laughs> we'll get to the 10 people. Um, track Your Impact, really simple concept. Every single one of our products, like a bottle of water or a muesli bar that you buy at 7-Eleven or Coles or wherever, has a, uh, there's a, yeah, that code there has a unique code. Um, every single one of product has it. There's millions in our system. You go to our website, head to track your impact, whack in your product code, and it'll show you on Google Maps exactly where the money from the product has gone to. So it'll show you on, with GPS coordinates on Google Maps that that product, say for example, is funding biosand filter number 34 in the Kandul Malai district in Cambodia. It's impacting 750 people. Um, and you've got it in plain sight. For us, this is a method of connecting, um, which is really important. Next, if you wish, you can register your account. 
uh, through Facebook or an email, and when that project is actually 100% funded and completed, you'll get an email report um, which shows you an actual photo of the exact program or the exact solution that you funded through the, that product. So if it was, in this case, a uh, gravity-fed water system funded in Haiti through a water product, you'll get a photo of that particular one. If it was Biosand filter number 34, you'll get a photo of Biosand filter number 34. Pretty cool. This doesn't happen till maybe about six to 12 months after you've tracked it because the programs we fund are sustainable programs. They take somewhere anywhere from four to five years upwards to implement. Um, so we're really excited. We're like, we've built this thing in-house. It's on Google Maps. We've done our own clustering algorithms. We've created some really impressive product and people are going like, to love it. They're going to buy a product. They're going to track it. They're going to share it on social media. We're going like, to change the world. Australia's going to be, oh, Gizmodo's going to write about us. Smashable's going to write about us. We're so excited, or so we thought. And that's when we engaged Jump. So I'll, I'll hand over to Yuan, and he'll take you through a bit of the journey um, about it. Um, I can reiterate a little bit of what Wes wanted to say. Um, the proof is important, transparency between thank you, um, what they're doing with the, with the products, with what the funding in the projects, uh, the connection between the customers uh, and the project they're designed to fund, and then the trust. They need to gain the customer's trust to get there. So when we started working on Tracker Impact with Thank You, by, by the way, my name is Yuan. I'm the creative and UX lead at uh, Yump, we're a digital agency based in Melbourne. And when we started working with uh, Thank You on Tracker Impact, that's right, it's called a movement builder. That's what we want to make. Uh, we want to turn a product buyer, someone who just bought this from the supermarket, into a movement builder. But there's a challenge. We were shown this graph uh, that despite increasing product sales and enthusiasm for the concept, product tracks are stagnating and user registrations are in decline. And here you see that um, there's all these spikes which are attributed to marketing campaigns. Or certain, for example, when 7-Eleven introduced their $1 water promotion, we got a spike. But they don't, they don't sustain uh, we have the marketing spike and the tracks go down. Now, why is it so hard to get people to track? We had, we had, a, we had an insight from previously completed uh, consumer research that, in fact, for more than 50% of thank you customers, social impact does not really drive their buying decision. So it's simply because it's a great product. It's priced reasonably. The second insight that we had was that tracking a product is actually a new behavior. It's not a natural uh, uh, behavior for any typical shopper. You don't go into a shop, buy something, and go, oh, there's a code behind it. Maybe let's put it in and see what happens. We need to educate um, customers to do that, and that's, and that's hard. So going from product buyer to movement builder, we identified a series of things that we want thank you customers to be able to be doing. Track once, you know, buy another track, thank you product and track again, possibly register for a tracker impact profile and start receiving final field reports, and then buy and track more. We're not talking just about a one-time behavior, but something that's going to be repetitive that becomes a lasting change before we can call them a movement builder. And that's like asking someone who's never donated before to start donating and then keep donating and make a habit of donating. And that's really, really hard. But there's also an opportunity. Uh, as we were discussing with Thank You towards the end of last year, 
we know that they have a, a, a big campaign coming up in February 2016 where they will be talking about Chapter 1. Have anyone seen Chapter 1 in airports and greats and a few hands? Um, chapter 1 is a book that's written by Thank You's co-founder, Daniel Flynn, um, that is designed to crowdfund Thank You's future. So you can pay what you want. And the idea is that you can pay what you want to fund Thank You's mission. Uh, in fact, um, this is after the fact. Um, when Chapter 1 launched uh, in February, in, at the end of February 2016, this year, in one month, uh, they, had, they were able to raise $1.4 million from selling more than 40,000 copies in one month. And that's a, that's a really impressive result. But this is, when we're here, we're about two months away from that. And that's, we have two months to make Mission Impossible possible. Um, and that is redesigning and redeveloping the tracker impact, ex, ex, tracker impact experience in time for the launch of Chapter 1. Now, even though Chapter 1 is not directly promoting tracker impact, we were expecting that Thank You would get a massive uh, brand awareness from the Chapter 1 campaign, and that has the potential to expose tracker impact to a brand new audience. Well, that's a great opportunity. We don't want to miss that. We want Tracker Impact to be ready for that. So just a little recap. We had to address low product tracks and registrations. Um, we know from insight that it's very hard to get customers to track and register. And the reality is that we have very, we're short of time. We need something very practical, very pragmatic. We don't have a lot of, a lot of time to do much research, in fact. Um, and we have two months to essentially redesign this experience. So we don't really want to talk to all thank you customers. They're very diverse, and there's lots of them. So in order for our design team to make sense of who actually we're designing for, we broadly categorize thank you customers on Track Your Impact into two groups. The customers who have never tracked before. And usually they didn't know about Track Your Impact, so they're com not completely not aware that there is a code here or that it even works. Um, and, or they have actually seen it but they've never done it before. And our goal for those users is start tracking, track once. And for the, for the customers who have, never, who have actually tracked before, uh, who have used Tracker Impact before, they probably have done it a long time ago. It's been a while since they, they last tracked, uh, more than three months ago, uh, and, or they've tracked before, but have never taken the additional step of registering pro, for a profile. And for, for these users, the goal is again quite targeted. Let's track again and let's get them to sign up for a Tracker Impact profile. We also know from uh, analytics that 41% of Tracker Impact users are using it on mobile. And even though it looks like a beautiful interface, the issue is that it's very clunky and it's actually very slow to load. And performance, how fast something loads is such an important part of the experience that often I think designers just get into with the whole, it looks so cool, and forgot that we need it to load fast in order to be enjoyable. And so we, we started getting cracking. And to kind of frame this in a way that's, that's, that forms our strategic thinking, I'd like to point out to Fox model. I'm sure some of you are very familiar with that. Uh, in Fox model, essentially we want three elements to come together. For a, behavior to, to, for a new behavior to occur, we need a motivation, an ability, and a trigger. So high motivation with high ability and then with a trigger. So a trigger could be a text message, could be an email notification, could be a reminder. 
uh, and motivation in thank you's case is, is, is that it's a need to do something good to help the people in, in the developing communities. And the ability refers to the simplicity of using the system. Is it easy? Is it fast? Um, is it, does it require a lot of effort? And we also know that it's easiest to increase the trigger, followed by the ability, and the motivation is the hardest to change. So we also looked at a hooked model that kind of expanded on this idea of the trigger into when you, when you have an email notification, you also have an action after that, which is like a sign-in, for example. You log into the system, and you get a reward. So if you're in Pinterest, you get to see really interesting posts, and you also have opportunities to invest more. So you want to repaint it, you want to share it, you want to follow it. And this process sort of fits back into the trigger to set up the next trigger so that that becomes eventually a, a, a habit. And um, I can't pronounce his name, Nir Il, um, talked about it in a, hooked, in a book called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. Regardless, we're really talking about increasing reward and investment for customers who choose to use Tracker Impact. So let's increase the trigger. Remind visitors to track. This is really simple. And we did it. It's simple but effective. So we've decided to not, not worry so much about customers who, have, who, you know, who, who, who decided that they didn't want to track the impact. For the people who do, they have been directed from the bottle to thankyou.co. So when they do that on the website, we say, hey, use the unique code and track. It's just a little reminder. Let's increase the ability. In this case, we want to frame it in the case of the mobile experience. We know that it's slow, it's clunky, and we want to make it easier and faster to do that. So this is just an example of what it is today. Um, you can see that going from the, the, essentially when you land on Tracker Impact, uh, enter the Tracker ID uh, into uh, tracking the project in Vietnam, and then you can sign up. In this process, we actually look at little, little ways to make it better. So it used to say Tracker ID and you don't really know, is that, am I supposed to enter a number? Or? So it's now quite specific, enter tracker ID here. And we have a, a sign-in for Facebook that didn't really explain why, why am I doing that. So in this case, we actually changed the wording and the content around that to encourage them to sign by emphasizing the benefits of signing up for a profile. And we also looked at motivation. Um, People who come to Tracker Impact are motivated by the impact that either they can do or that Thank You is able to do. And we want to improve the storytelling around what is Thank You actually doing in the world. Uh, a lot of users that we talk to from Thank You um, think that it's just like one project. They didn't understand that Thank You are actually doing work in about 18 countries in the world. And we had this map. This is the old map. Uh, it's an impressive-looking map with very detailed satellite images, um, but with lots of information that we can't make sense of. What do little people mean? Is that impact numbers? I, I don't really understand that. And this is what it used to look like when you drew into a village. It pops up with a little pop-up to try to get you to click more. And it's, there is a lot of information to take in, and it can be a little bit confusing for users. So this is the new Tracker Impact homepage. So what we did was we simplified a lot of the detail from the, from the world map so that we can focus the stories on the countries. We also use this chance to focus, uh, to talk a, a bit about what Thank You is doing across the world, the total world impact figures, um, as well as a, a clear representation of the countries that they're in. And we added a, a, another layer of storytelling, talking about in each country, so say for Cambodia, 
what, what is actually Thank You doing in Cambodia? What is the, what's the situation like in Cambodia? And what are the projects that are just relevant to Cambodia? And when we start drilling down, this is where we can start revealing more information as a bit of a surprise. You know, you, we're going from something quite simplified to something quite detailed. Um, and here we're talking about, uh, we have information about a particular project that's happening uh, with the stats to follow. Now, the, the, the technical advantage of doing it this way um, is actually we have taken away a lot of data from having to load at the start. That means using this experience now is a lot faster than it used to be. We also want to increase reward and investment when users come and track a product. It's like they've taken a big effort. They've taken a bottle, put a number in. It would be nice to reward them with something more. The final field report, as Wes said, comes in about 6 to 12 months after they've done the initial tracking, and that's a little bit too long to wait for the, to re-engage them. So we want to find ways to reward them as they track more products. Now here is a profile that we've designed, uh, and in this case, um, I can see my impact over time. Uh, you can see I've been furiously tracking in the last month. Um, and uh, we can see the kind of type of different types of solutions that I'm, I'm helping to fund, uh, such as you know, water, food. It also gives users who probably have only tracked one product a more comprehensive view of the different types of solutions that, that Thank You is actually funding, helping to fund. So as a recap, we increase triggers by reminding users to track. Simple one. Increase ability by simplifying experience, making it faster to load, easier to get around. Increase motivation by improving storytelling around the impact that we're doing. We want to reward our users by recognizing their impact achievements. And we also um, increase the you know, investment, as in you know, the opportunity for them to track more, to set up future triggers, which is, in this case, the final field report. And we did it in two months, almost, because... Um, uh, we actually decided to phase them out because we just couldn't do them all. Uh, and so point one to three, we did it in the two months, ready for the launch of the uh, chapter one, and we did point four and point five about in the last three months. So what have we achieved? So we first looked at the mobile, some mobile usage using analytics, just to kind of get a sense of how our mobile users are using tracking impact you know, a few months after launch. Uh, here, here we had a little bit of analysis here. Um, the first part is just saying mobile usage has increased. We can't claim, we can't claim credit for that. Um, secondly, there are having more page views and, and, and less pages per session. That, you know, it seems to indicate they were looking at things faster, but again, it's quite debatable. But where, we, where I think the experience have redesigned have really added value is the fact that the users are now engaging for longer and there's a much lower bounce, lower bounce rate. Next, let's look at product tracks over time. That green arrow is when we did the chapter one launch. And analyzing the data three months before and after, we can see a 61% increase in the total number of tracks, 100% increase in the number of registrations, and 200% increase in signing product tracks, meaning people who are already signing tracking their product. The, the nice thing about this, which is the positive, the positive thing about, um, about measuring this, is that you can see that the spike, hang on, the next one explains better. Campaign of promotion before and campaign of promotion after. So the latest one is the release of the uh, new baby range products. Uh, and so what, what is positive is that we hope, obviously we need more time, 
we hope that this higher level engagement continue to sustain and improve over time. So now that Trapping Impact is doing well for thank you, what does that actually mean? Yeah, so I think um, for us to really ascertain what Yump has done with us on redeveloping and relaunching Track Your Impact is really coming back to like what is our mission. So at the end of the day, our mission is to end global poverty, but we believe it can only be done together with everyone's help. Um, and we have to consistently remind ourselves of that. Like we started off with Track Your Impact being a proof, uh, a tool for proof uh, that we're actually doing the work we're doing, a tool for connectivity to connect our uh, our supporters, our consumers, our users with their impact. Um, but obviously we didn't do that because we got so wrapped up in the cool effects and the technology and the Google Maps and the algorithms. Um, so bringing it back and going, what is our mission? Our mission is to connect users with their impact and connecting users with their impact builds trust and loyalty, makes a movement builder. Um, and ultimately we're moving forward together to end global poverty. Um, but what it means from a practical sense is tracker impact for us now is a tool for engagement. We can really easily see uh, when someone buys a product who's actually really engaged with our brand by, for one, tracking, secondly, registering an account and st storing those tracks with us, and we're able to see how uh, embedded they are with our mission. Um, but what is actually a really um, unexpected result is Track Your Impact now is a tool for metrics for us. Uh, I don't know if anyone here works in the retail space or has worked in the retail space or FMCG. Um, for us to get consumer data, uh, how much our products are selling, costs uh, upwards of fifty to $60,000 a year easy to buy purchase data. Um, what Track Your Impact does for us now is it actually shows us when someone buys a product, if they track it, we can actually see that someone's purchased it and used it or interacted with it. Um, which is really unexpected, and for us, it's a really cost-effective way of seeing what the conversion rates are for our products. Um, and we can now build that into what is in control of our customer journey. When someone buys a thank you product, we know that we ship it from a warehouse to a supermarket shelf, and beyond that, we don't know what happens. But now at Track Your Impact, we're able to get an insight as to someone is actually buying the product and using it, and then engaging on a level that's deeper than just buying it, or just liking a post on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, they're actually engaging with our brand. So that's, it's an amazing outcome. Um, and I think um, the whole process of learning about um, how do we better uh, engage our, our users and our, our supporters um, for the overall mission, um, one of the biggest things that we've taken away is, um, and this is harping back to what Denise spoke about right at the start of the keynote, um, and it's been really well reinforced across almost every, every um, speaker that I've, we've seen so far, is that um, we need to collaborate and co-create. Um, the part of the mission for us is together being the key term. Us partnering with Yump is not just service delivery. We didn't engage Yump to just say, hey, can you just redesign this for us? Here's the metrics, here's the KPIs, um, make it better. Uh, it's all about co-creation. Um, so we've really learned that in order for us to accomplish this together, we need to learn about what Yum's uh, wanting to achieve from their perspective, but they also need to come alongside us with our mission. So I think our encouragement for everyone is co-create, not just service deliver, um, because it, if we don't work together, we won't get to where we want to go. Um, so that, that's really it. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's us. <laughs> Questions? Can, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Did you want to add something, Jan? No, no. I said yeah. questions, actually. Yeah. Do we have questions? Yes. Here? Hi, this is probably a simple one. Is there a correlation between sales and the uptake in trackers? Tracking? Uh, most definitely. 
um, it's really hard for us to ascertain what is like general brand awareness and how that correlates to um, tracking versus uh, sales. I think the stats that Yuan showed before probably give us the best indication of when we did have big promotions or marketing things. We'd see a spike in traffic, a spike in tracks, but it was really half of the traffic that we uh, experienced tracking when we had our next promotional thing, and that was post um, redesign. So we can only make assumptions. We can, we will know more with time, essentially. Anything you want to add to that, anyone? Um, I, I don't have intimate information yeah. about the sales figures, so I yeah. think that's that's more of a that's more of a you know a, I guess a longer term project working with the marketing team more closely or the sales team more closely to work out the relationship between tracking and selling. Yeah, and as mentioned, sales data is extremely expensive, so we can't really afford to purchase it. We can only go on assumptions, but again, tracker impact has now become a metric for us that we can make those assumptions a bit more informed, which is really cool. Yeah. Hi. Um, down here. Oh. Hi. I was just wondering, obviously you've done a lot of investigation into um, testing the digital experience and why people may or may not be uh, using the tracking code, did you look at the, um, the actual packaging design as well? Or did you work a lot? I, I realize Yeah, it's an interesting design. thing because actually Wes will know more about this. Um, this. This label was also changed because the numbers used to print on the icons. You maybe talk a little bit about, about yeah, the, the, so, the change in um, that. So we do all our products, like when I say product, our physical product, obviously product in this forum can be in a service or a SaaS or whatever. These actual products, we do all our design in-house, but Part of that was um, we did actually completely redesign the way the tracker box looks on all of our products to make it more consistent because previously they were a lot smaller, they weren't as high, um, so we had issues where codes would print because these get done on the fly by the thousands at our suppliers. They'd print half off, there'd be um, batch codes and icons overlapping and things like that. So one of the things we did improve in the lead up to that was actually improving the visibility of our codes on our products. Um, and we're actually now only at the stage in the last sort of six to 12 months where we're actually thinking about um, UX um, when it actually comes to our physical products. So uh, what does the label look like? How does it feel? Um, how are people engaging with it? Are they actually turning the box around? Do they need more prompts? So that's actually a journey that we're currently embarking on and we're kind of in the middle of. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question. Thanks, guys. That was a really great presentation. My questions are around whether you could elaborate on how you increased motivation, especially for those people that have never engaged with the tracking before. Yeah. Do you want to kick off for that? Okay. Um, uh, it's it's a, like I said. It's probably the most difficult one to tackle. So with the with the digital side of of the implementation, you we're assuming that by the time they come to thankyou.co, they've already got past this particular barrier. Now, this, is, this, is a, this is a first step, right? And so uh, we've, in a sense, wh whatever we're doing on the website is discounting the people who made a decision at this point in time. So there could be motivational reasons behind at this point as well. Um, I know that for a fact that, uh, for example, Thank You does a lot of speaking engagements, yeah. talking to a lot of people. Uh, and so that's part of the awareness campaign that's happening offline where they're talking to a lot of people. Maybe you can explain a little bit about what the kind of speaking engagement Yeah, so is. because we don't retail online, um, we can't track conversion. So if we sell this on our website and we made a point of telling people to track their impact when they buy a product in an email, a follow-up, um, we can potentially track the click-through that have actually gone and they've purchased it. So we're encouraging them to track their impact at that stage. But because this is all done offline, um, in 
to boost engagement or to boost like motivation to track is actually something that's quite organic. So we're expecting and hoping that someone's going to read this and actually turn it around. We're hoping. Um, we're hoping that they know enough about our brand to know that we have this as a feature of our of the the experience of thank you. Um, so we actually don't do anything um, proactively to to encourage it, which is really interesting because we've seen a boost in the tracking. So we don't actually do anything proactively. We're currently working towards a big marketing campaign for Track Your Impact, but that's a separate thing. Um, but at the moment, it is completely organic, um, and it is a challenge for us. Yeah. Um, how important do you think it is for the customer or the user to have this tracking device? Um, I can see that it's a, a great way of creating transparency for your business and what you're trying to achieve, but for the user, knowing already that this is creating something good in the world, how important it is for the user to experience a deeper level of engagement? Um, really good question, in fact. And I um, was meant to explain this before, but I kind of freaked and threw Yuan in the deep end <laughs> earlier than I, than I was supposed to, so my apologies, Yuan. He was just like, uh, yeah. Um, great question. It's, it's actually not essential. It's something that we choose to do, and it's something we choose to invest money in. Because uh, we're a social enterprise and we give 100% of our profits away, we have to be really careful about our operating costs. But we choose to do this because we have a value um, in our company. It's called, we say our word is our bond. So even though we hope people trust us when you say we give 100% of our profits away, it's important for people to see that. Um, and I think uh, for us, we believe it's important. For the end user, it may not be. We may have people that are extremely trusting and just do it because they love us and they know they just take it for granted, but we don't want ever anyone to ever take us for granted. And I think the biggest indication is a lot of stats around charitable giving. Um, they've plateaued quite tremendously since about 2008. Um, we used to give something close to like half a percent of our income away to charities um, from the ATO stats. That's dropped to something like 0.32%, which is a significant amount of money. Hmm. Um, and considering that the, our foreign aid budget is now 022 0.22% of our gross national income. It shows that, as Australians, we're not necessarily trusting as much in charitable organizations. Um, just caveat, we're not a charitable organization. We just give our profits away. But people think that way, and it's important for us to prove it. Um, and if someone asks the question, we can say, hey, here's the actual, here's the physical proof. And we do back that up with storytelling. So we do um, profile a lot of our beneficiaries from our programs, our projects all around the world, um, and storytelling is a very big part of that as well. Hey, um, really love what you guys do. Thank you. So awesome job there, guys. Thanks, um, with the tracking, did you guys look into using like QR codes or augmented reality or anything like that? Because I can kind of see QR codes kind of died in the ass a few years ago. Everyone's like, oh, these are awesome. And it's, they were just really clunky and hard to use. But in this instance, is it something you looked at? And was it potentially easier than typing in the code? Yeah, I'll answer a little bit, and I think I'll throw over to Yuan, because yeah, sure. I know he has some insights about it. So like you said, QR codes did die in the ass. Um, they're still around. Um, several barriers with QR codes. For one, we have a, uh, I mean, the mobile experience, so the mobile demographic, there's obviously a large number of iPhone users versus Android users and others. There's nothing native within the operating systems that allows you to just pull up your camera and flash in front of a QR code, and then it, bam, you're projected, transported to a, a project on Google Maps, you have to have an app to do it, which means that we'd either rely on someone else to build an app, or we'd build a proprietary app on iOS or Android or Windows. Too complex. 
We did explore it for a long time. The other part is capabilities of our suppliers. Um, printing these codes is actually no, nothing short of um, drawing blood from a stone. Um, and Cindy, who's from our impact team, can attest to that. Working with our suppliers to get these codes on our products is an extremely challenging process, and they obviously buy into it, our vision for us to do it. So there's, there are several challenges, and so far this is the best, simplest solution we have at the moment, but we're consistently looking at new technologies, new abilities, image recognition potentially. Do we move to a, a dedicated app? Yeah, these are questions what I was asking, and I'm sure Yuan could have a bit you of... You say everything. All right, cool, sorry. <laughs> sorry, man. It's, at the moment, it's simplest way of execution, and you know, cost allowing as well. Uh, there's a lot of you know, real-life factors that we need to involve. Uh, the, the, something like an app which is getting too much in a way um, and so this is the current situation. We're constantly exploring more options from a physical sense, definitely. Yeah. While I walk, I'm going to point out that Kit has probably the deepest voice in UX. You'll see what I mean in a minute. <laughs> Thanks, T. <laughs> uh, so my question is about, especially because you were trying to promote reuse and people tracking future products and things. Um, my question is, Currently, your product, forgive me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is your products track uh, their impact based on the kind of product you bought, so water, perhaps water, etc. Exactly, yeah. Have you found that maybe the kind of, like, so my exposure with you guys is through the nappies, the new stuff. And, um, you know, you buy, you buy a lot of boxes of nappies, and yeah. it's very routine. And same thing kind of goes for water bottles. You do it kind of routinely. Yeah. Um, do you think maybe the specific products that you, you're uh, marketing kind of has an impact on whether people are, well, they, the kind of the interaction they have with the products, whether it's unusual enough that this extra kind of process of tracking something is, is natural? Or like, have you experimented with doing things that, you know, other products that just happen to also help? Uh, yeah, okay. So, um, great question. It's actually a great clarification point for a lot of what we do. Um, we believe that the impact has to be simple and make sense for people. Um, so we could really easily sell a bottle of water and fund maternal child health programs um, because bottled water is actually, it's low margin but extremely high volume. So I think the majority of our impact to date has been largely um, water. So we could do that, but um, as a consumer, would it make sense? Um, will the user actually be able to go on that journey and be like, oh man, I'm drinking this, this water and it's, it's not, it's not delicious, it's water. And bottled water is actually extremely stupid and wasteful. Um, we do it not to gain, market, to gain market share, not to increase market share, just FYI. Um, but drinking this water, am I, am I actually imagining that someone in another country can't drink this water? It's like dirty, murky water filled with arsenic that's going to kill their family. So it's got to make sense um, for it to be part of that journey and be part of the bigger story. Um, so that, that's really how we approach it. Um, so if at any point we look at education, let's say hypothetically, we'd have to really assess how we deliver education and how we get our users that support us to engage in providing education. It has to make sense. Does that answer? Yeah, cool. Hi. Um, I've always been a bit conflicted with... Um, I, I think the end result is fantastic. I don't like using bottled water. Fair enough. Um, for some of the reasons that you mentioned, it increases our landfill, et cetera, et cetera. Um, your packaging is very traditional. Have you thought about approaching that in a totally different way, which would make it easier to stamp it, which you know, wouldn't use as much um, packaging and therefore less mm -hmm. landfill? Yeah, um, 
Great, another really great question. You guys are killing it. Um, really hard questions too. We, um, yeah, bottled water is a prime example of um, doing something that's extremely um, counterproductive to kind of a lot of the our ethos and what we stand for. Um, interesting fact: we Australians spend about six hundred million dollars a year on bottled water, when we can majority of us can go to a tap, any old tap, and get it for free, if not an extreme fraction of that of that cost that we spend on bottled water. Um, we have done a lot of things, like we employ a really lightweight plastic, uh, a more efficient European method of bottling our water, which saves uh, upwards of 27% of water wastage, which is not a huge amount, but um, we're constantly looking at different ways to do it. We've actually looked at biodegradable. Biodegradable is um, really interesting because there's no actual plastics that are 100% biodegraded into the water table. Um, so we're always looking for what is the best solution. Um, we're always assessing our product, uh, the paper we're using, um, and, our, and the card we're using in our products. Um, our nappies actually have a slimline design, and I'm, I'm not trying to sell here, but the slimline design, so we could actually pack more in a box, which is boxes are much smaller. It means we use more, we use a little way less card, there's way less wastage, and we can ship less containers, which means there's less oil being used. So there's a lot of things we're trying to assess in our um, supply chain to reduce our impact. Um, but we are always on the lookout because at the end of the day, thank you is more than just fighting global poverty. Global poverty is multifaceted. There's issues of education, lack of access, inequity, um, pollution, um, all sorts. So we're always trying to be as holistic as possible. There's no quick fix, unfortunately. Yeah. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from New York's Australia 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.